It's the Star Wars Mini Action Figure Collector's Case. Action figures sold separately. The Collector's Case holds 24 Star Wars action figures, like Stormtrooper, R5-D4, and Snaggletooth. Blue Snaggletooth. If you grew up playing with the Kenner toys, or if you collect vintage Star Wars figures now, those two words together will certainly grab your attention. Blue Snaggletooth is a name that isn't even really Star Wars, but has entered our pop culture lexicon by way of a fascinating Kenner accident. After releasing the first 12 figures for its new 3 and 3 quarter inch line in the early months of 1978, Kenner began work on its second wave. As the story goes, while working on the figures for the line, Lucasfilm sent a black and white image of Snaggletooth, a diminutive Snivian creature associated with the cantina scene in A New Hope, to the toy designers. The image was a headshot of Snaggletooth, and the designers used their own imaginations to create the rest of him. As a result, the figure that appeared in the Sears Holiday Catalogs in 1978 as part of an exclusive Cantina Adventure set was an alien with jet black hair, beady eyes, large nostrils, and a single lower fang on the left side of his mouth. He wore a long sleeve jumpsuit that was a deep blue-green color. His boots were a sprayed silver, whose paint was notorious for flaking off. The figure's face was a pale gray, and his hands were a little darker in tone. Around his waist was a ridged black belt. The designer who worked on the figure used an image from one of his old business cards to create the now-iconic silver belt buckle. And while the figure was released in the Sears-exclusive Cantina Adventure set, and in a two-pack figure mailer with another Cantina patron named Greedo, Blue Snaggletooth would never be released individually in stores. Despite the miscommunication, Lucasfilm wanted Kenner to create a new, more accurate Snaggletooth figure, clad in a red jumpsuit with furry, wolf-like feet and with a gray-colored head and hands. But the main change would be the figure's size. The figure was reduced by a third of the blue Snaggletooth's height, with the top of its head barely reaching the blue Snaggletooth's chest. It was a huge change, and once Kenner approved it, the figure would join the ranks of Greedo, Hammerhead, and Walrusman in the second wave of Star Wars figures at retail across the country and beyond. And so, instead of disappearing into the bottom of the Star Wars toy box, the Blue Snaggletooth, this one-off release, has become a sought-after and coveted figure for Star Wars collectors. For those collecting loose figures, Blue Snaggletooth has become a key piece, as it is one of the most valuable in the Kenner line. It is an amazing feeling to be able to add one to your loose figure collection, especially if you've been collecting for a while. And although they will pop up with some frequency on eBay, finding one with little wear to the hair or the hands, or without discoloration to the torso, and with the silver paint still intact on the belt buckle and boots, is certainly a challenge. And for collectors, the hunt is a large part of the fun. But sometimes, a blue snaggletooth is more than a blue snaggletooth. Sometimes it's an item that catches your eye while you're at a toy show in another state. That leads to a conversation with someone who not only becomes one of your dearest friends, but whose life story inspires you in profound ways. And it leads to more toy adventures than you or I could fathom. Sometimes a blue snaggletooth is a welcomed blessing in disguise. 
This is a look at a collector and dealer whose faith has led him into an incredible years-long journey into the world of toys and collectibles, the treasures he uncovered, and the lessons he learned along the way. This is a collector's conversation with that vintage toy guy, Zach Curtis, dentist, dealer, collector, believer. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. first met Zach Curtis at the Columbus Toy Show in September of 2017, on my very first trek out to Ohio. I made it a point to stop at almost every vendor table during the toy show in order to introduce myself and to get to know some of the people who shared an interest in the hobby. It's hard to remember much about that day with total clarity. I would compare it to the first week of college, in which there are so many new faces, experiences, and details that it all becomes an overwhelming blur. But I remember two things about that first interaction with Zach. First and foremost, he was extremely affable, and in a genuine way. He wasn't trying to charm you in order to make a sale. He was simply happy to connect with another toy enthusiast, and he enjoyed the conversations that came with being at a toy show. The second thing was that blue snaggletooth. I remember it being a late addition to his table, and it was sitting in a lowly corner of a wooden display box. His price on it was extremely fair, and before I knew it, my wallet was a little lighter, and that figure was resting comfortably in my hand. We talked for a while that day, and Zach stuck out in my mind as one of the new friends I had made on that trip. I looked forward to seeing him again a month later as I made my way west again for the Cincinnati Toy Show. In March of 2018, I returned to Ohio for the Spring Columbus Toy Show. I had hoped Zach remembered me, but realistically wasn't expecting him to do so. After all, as a dealer, he likely meets hundreds of people at each show, and since I wasn't from the Ohio area, and with the months in between our last show, I was ready to reintroduce myself. As I approached his table, prepared to remind him that I was the one who bought the blue snaggletooth from him at the previous Columbus show, he caught sight of me and shouted, Dave, I was hoping I'd see you again. I have something I thought you might like. It turned out to be a 12-back carded Obi-Wan Kenobi, and as excited as I was to add a 12-back to my collection, I was honestly touched that he remembered me and thought of me. I reached out to him two weeks before the September 2018 Columbus show to see if he wanted to meet for lunch the day of setup. Zach suggested a little spot called Raising Cane's, a fast food restaurant that specializes in chicken fingers. And while we sat and ate, we discussed collecting and talked about our lives. And if you've ever had a conversation with me, eventually something about my faith will come through. 
It's never to preach at anyone or to get you to believe what I believe, but my relationship with God is such a central part of my life. And so I shared a little bit of that with Zach and was surprised, and really not that surprised, when he shared his story of a life led by faith as well. And over the years, we've shared a journey built upon our love of toys and collectibles, as well as our relationship with the Lord. Since that first lunch together, we've shared some unforgettable meals and moments, and I am so thankful to call him my friend. And he has helped me during some of the rougher times I've experienced, whether it was through an uplifting phone conversation or just knowing he had my back and was praying for me. But I've also learned so much from him. The strength of his character is something I've looked to as a model in my own life, and I'm constantly amazed by the blessings he's received and the stories he's shared with me. And while we're in the season of a pandemic, in which the world feels upended and out of place, Star Wars and collecting has been what it's always been for us, an escape and a way to connect us to one another, and even more so in these past few months. And as many of us are struggling at times to stay positive mentally and to wait out this season, Zach's story has been on my mind and heart for a while, and I wanted to share it with you. It's one of hope, of wonderful hope, and it's really one of the most incredible toy-related ones I know. And Zach agreed to meet me for a collector's conversation, and the two of us are currently flying across the galaxy. We're heading to the planet of Takadana, home to former pirate and smuggler Maz Kanata and her interstellar tavern. Takodana is a gorgeous, beautiful place, and we've hitched a ride with Ray and a few of her friends aboard the Millennium Falcon to get there. So come join us for a walk through the forest of Takodana as Zach shares stories of some of his fantastic finds and the endless blessings that have come from buying and selling toys. I didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy. So, Zach, tell me about your most recent find. You had a, a very interesting one. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so, so last week, my uh, my mom and I go garage selling every year for the uh, one twenty seven sales, which go from Michigan um, all the way down to Alabama, uh, world's largest yard sale. And so, we're driving through Ohio um, and couldn't decide what direction whether we wanted to go that day, uh, whether it was north or south. Um, so we started driving, and then we hit this spot, and all of a sudden I tell my mom, I just feel like I need to turn around right now. So let, let's turn around and go the other direction. So we turn around. It's about 730 in the morning. Pull up to this garage sale. This guy's pulling tarps off his tables, you know, um, and I'm just I'm kind of looking at it. And immediately catches my eye. Um, there is a carded Ewoks low gray <laughs> and a carded Superpowers Robin. And you know my heart starts, like, beating because I find a lot of, of stuff garage sales. but. I don't find action figures like that. Um, so I think they had $10 on the low gray, $8 on the Robin. And I'm like, oh, like I'm super <laughs> pumped. Um, so I, I snatched those up, you know, and I start looking. And, and then there's a, uh, a plush uh, Chewbacca sitting there, $5. So I picked that up in my hand, and I'm my heart's beating, 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 you know. But then uh, this little Ziploc bag catches my eye. Um, and it was one of the larger size Ziploc bags marked $12 for the bag and it's full of uh, vintage figures. But not only that, it's full of vintage 
sealed baggy figures. Um, and right on the top, there's two Amana Mans. Um, there's three uh, Indoor Leas. There are two Tebos. Um, I mean, there was like 10 or 15 figures in this bag. $12 for the whole Ziploc full. Uh, and my heart's just pounding, you know. So I was so excited. Um, but, I mean, I found a bunch of other stuff that day. But uh, it was all overshadowed. I think that's probably the best garage sale find I've ever had. Uh, so I had a lot of fun that day uh, when I got home sorting through all those. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! And as you said, something like an Amanda Man, uh, you know, you don't come across a bagged Amanda Man in the wild every day, too. So, oh yeah, I and mean, they were in gorgeous shape. I mean, one of the two Amanda Mans had the tape had come off, but everything else was, I mean, everything else was gradable. Uh, just, I mean, like perfect shape, like they hadn't even been touched. <laughs> Wow. Congratulations. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. You know, it's, Thank it's you. so it funny. Fun. We, over the years now, we, we've, um, you know, we've spoken uh, on the phone all the time, and, uh, and a number of, of the conversations usually begin with a really cool find that you've, you've had recently. Uh, so I, I love hearing about them. Um, and, I mean, they, they've just been, you know, such a blessing. Uh, yeah, you know, Dave, I think you were, like, my number one go-to guy when I find something. I'm like, who can I call that can appreciate this? <laughs> I'll call Dave, especially Star Wars, so. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, it doesn't get much better than that, too, especially, you know, finding uh, finding what you said, 12 to 15 figures. Yeah, out in the, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, gosh, wow. How long have you been doing that garage sale run? Um, that particular run, I think it's been eight or 10 years now. It's, it's this thing that my mom and I have done together every year and it's always just been the two of us. And we are, we always go Thursday, even the year I got married, we did it. Uh, we did it. And it was like two days before I got married or no, it was the day before I got married and my mom were out garage selling that morning, um, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. Uh, but I, I've made it a Makes point never to miss it. And, um, yeah, because it's just kind of cool, and it's a chance to spend the whole day with my mom, so it's a lot of fun. What's the furthest you've gone, the farthest you've gone on the on the trip? You know, normally we just keep it to one day because uh, normally one of us has to work on the following Friday, so we try to just take one day off. So I'd say probably 100 miles tops is the most ground we've covered. Okay. Um, but there's so many sales, too, that, I mean, you could really, I mean, you could grind sale for three days solid in that same 100-mile strip you know but one day i think i want to go further south or further north explore some new territory yeah you may have to i mean considering you know you've what you've been able to pick up so far over the years yeah it's worth it yeah (laughs) i I take the whole day you know top to bottom and just just Uh, yeah on this on the same route uh i think it was five years ago i uh i came across tales to astonish 27 which is the first appearance of ant-man 10 cents Oh, my I gosh. kid you not. And the cover was detached, but I, I still think I got 900 for it that night. Oh, my gosh. Just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the detached cover? Stretch. Yeah, with the detached. The cover was there, but it, it was detached. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just nuts. Man, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <thanks. laughs> it's a great find. Yeah. So I was, um, I was actually reminiscing, uh, thinking about how we first met. Do you remember um, when it was? I do. I remember, um, I forget what I sold you the first year that I, I kind of, I think it was an, an Obi-Wan, maybe a 12 no, back. before that. Before the Be- Obi-Wan. Before that was a Blue Snags. Yes, it was a Blue Snaggle too. And, and then an Obi-Wan. And then yeah. 
the next year, like, I don't know, you reached out on Facebook or something, and it was before the Columbus Toy Show. I think we went and got fried chicken or something that day before the toy show. And that that's when we first, like, met and actually talked, just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was so funny because um, I think – so I first went to Columbus – uh, in December, in, um, in October, no, September of 2017. And then a month later I went back out to Cincinnati for the first time. And so you and I had become friends during, during that point. And then, um, a number of months went by and, and I came back in March of 2018. And I remember, I remember going out to Ohio and saying to myself, oh, I, I, I hope he remembers me because you and I, we just, we had a, a great connection and we had great conversations, you know, that, that first mm-hmm. time. And uh, when I showed up, I, I went over to you and I said, you know, hi, my name is Dave. And I don't know if you remember. And you said, Dave, I, I, I actually have uh, an Obi-Wan put aside for you. I was thinking about you and I, I thought you might like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought at that point, I was like, okay, we're going to be friends for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then, um, and then uh, some time went by and, about two weeks before the Columbus show, I had contacted you and, um, you know, about meeting up and, and we met up for, for lunch at that point. Um, yeah. when I went back to Columbus and we went to Raising Cane's. Yes, that was it. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so funny too. It's, it's one of the things I'll always remember is, um, we were just talking about kind of who we are in our, our lives and everything and, and, um, one of us mentioned uh, our faith. I think I was talking about, I think I mentioned that I had been uh, a youth group leader for a while or something. And then that conversation just jumped exponentially. Well, and uh, and it, it's, it's funny because the, I remember that conversation really clearly because you sat that, and I, I forget what even triggered it, but I remember you just looked at me and you said, um, you were, you were talking about you being the youth leader or something. And you're like, I'm sorry. I, I just know you're a Christian. I, I don't know how, but I, <laughs> I just, just from talking to you and, and knowing you, I know that you know Jesus and I know Jesus. So I just figured we could talk about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, but I, I went home and, uh, and talked to my wife that day and I was like, I was like, yeah, I, this customer of mine asked, asked to meet for lunch and like, he's a cool guy, but I didn't know him that well. But I just had lunch with this guy, and I think we're going to be best friends. This guy is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, but and then, it's kind of crazy how the Lord worked it all out. But uh, it was it was absolutely. definitely pretty cool. And uh, before I left, I remember the day that I left it. That that trip out there in um, in the fall of of 2018 was a really rough one because it was just it literally rained the entire day, uh, the entire weekend, and so every time we would you know, go out, like run out to our car or you go from the hotel to, you know, to, to our car and then drive to the show or whatever it was. It, it just, we would get soaking wet every time. It just rained the entire yeah. weekend. And I remember standing outside of the the building um, for the show when I was getting ready to leave, you had walked out with me and you and I just, we just prayed together, um, you know, and then I got in the car and left. And but I, I remember thinking the same thing, and I said, "We are going to be best friends for a long time." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How did you become a collector? And were you, were you always a collector? Like, did it start? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's funny when you when you talk to my parents because growing up, I mean, I could 
I think there's something. I'm a firm believer that there's something in the genes. Um, that hoarder, that collector, that whatever mentality that just kind of goes through generations. Because I look back, and my grandpa on my mom's side collected everything, and his dad collected everything, and my mom kind of hoards on to stuff. So ever I was, ever since I was a little kid, I, I was collecting one thing or the other. Um, I think I, so I started, I collected Beanie Babies as a kid, and then I went to coins, and then I amassed a pretty big baseball collection, and then I was collecting Legos, and then it finally landed on... Um, Superman. So anybody that knows me well knows that I am obsessed with Superman. Um, and so I started watching uh, Smallville um, when I was in like late elementary school, junior high. Um, and Smallville is a TV show about Clark Kent before he became Superman. Um, and I just fell so in love with the show. Right. And, and my dad and I would just binge watch it. Um, I mean, we would watch like an entire season in like a week. Um, and so fell so in love with the show. And uh, that same – so a couple, couple years after getting into that show, I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll like the comic books too. So I had, I had my parents drive me to a comic book store, bought a couple comic books, fell in love with the character of Superman. And then um, I remember one weekend I got a uh, – a Superman toothbrush at a white elephant gift. And I same weekend I was at Dave and Buster's and I won a Superman doll. Uh, <laughs> and I put the two of them together and I was like, well, here's my next collection. And yeah. that has since spiraled way out of control. Um, so that was back in about junior high. Um, so those two pieces have now blossomed into 15,000 and counting um, of, of individual Superman items. So, it, it's definitely, it, I mean, my entire life I've been collecting stuff, but I've been pretty consistent uh, for the past 10, 15 years on the same thing now. Wow. And I know we've joked that um, your competition when it comes to collecting Superman is the Superman Museum. Yeah, I, mean, I am great friends with the uh, the Superman Museum down in Metropolis. And um, there's a, they have this little uh, Superman celebration in this town called Metropolis, Illinois. And I've gone there. Um, this year, actually, with the, the virus, was the first year that I did not go because they didn't have a celebration. But before that, it was like 11 years straight. On my 16th birthday, my grandparents told me um, they would take me wherever I wanted to go. Uh, and I found this little place online, and I was like, that's where I want to go. <laughs> um, so me and my 7-year-old grandparents drove to Metropolis, Illinois, and uh, they were great sports about it and fell in love. And I've, I've been back ever since. Wow. So when did you – you had mentioned to me a while ago, too, that um, your mom was a big influence on you uh, when you were collecting. And you also said that you would go out to this this huge garage sale every year um, with her uh, as a tradition. So was she the one who got you into into collecting? Was it um... – Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if she's the one who got me into collecting, but she's the one who got me into this idea of – collectibles as a business. Um, so first of all, my mom has probably always been my, my biggest uh, proponent or supporter of these collections and everything else mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but I remember, so this was probably also junior high. I had, my mom used to, when I, growing up, my mom used to sell clothes and stuff on eBay that she would get at thrift stores and whatnot. Um, Cause she stayed at home with us while we were growing up and dad worked. And um, 
but she would sell stuff on eBay. And so I remember like junior high or something, I had an old slot car set that I had played with as a kid and I was done with it and it was just kind of sitting there. And she helped me list that on eBay. And I remember this slot car set new in the store was like 50 bucks or something like that. But for some reason, this auction sold for like $113. And I remember running through the house yelling, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're 12 years old, $113 is a lot of money. Oh, it's um, immense, yeah. And so, I mean, I was so excited. And so then, I, I mean, I've been garage selling my whole life. The, I mean, long before these, this 127 garage sale, we would garage sale everywhere. Um, so I would go out with mom, and um, when I was looking for Superman stuff, when I started collecting that, I, I learned very quickly that some of these other toys were worth money. So, um, like, if they made something in Superman, chances are they made a Batman version and a Popeye version and a Darth Vader version and a He-Man version. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they, this shampoo bottle probably has eight different characters they made it out. So in looking for the Superman stuff, I would learn what the values of these other things were. Um, and I would pick stuff up as I'd see them at garage sales and stuff like that, even as a kid. Um, and then I would I would sell them. Or I'd buy, like, a lot that had Superman in it, and I'd bring it back and sell. And that, that was very small time in junior high. Um, and mostly, mostly non-action figure stuff, mostly comic book stuff like that. Um, but I, I would do that as a way to get money to buy myself Superman stuff. Um, in high school and stuff like that. So, she, but she, my mom taught me how to list on eBay. She taught me how to to set up little booths and stuff like that and sell stuff. Um, but she's definitely the one that, that encouraged me through that. Um, and then even in high school, into high school, she actually encouraged me to not get a job um, out during the summers and, and stuff like that. She told me that I should try to make my own job. Um, buying and selling some of the stuff at garage sales and stuff like that, and that's what I did. Why do you think she did that? Well, I think she saw the potential in me, and, and she saw how much I loved it and enjoyed it. And I think she wanted me to do something that I that I loved. Um, and I think she also realized that I could I could make more money and have more fun doing that than something traditional. That's great. So you really ran with this um, from a very early age. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something I did kind of on the side as for fun, kind of, in, in high school, if you will. And then, of course, in college, it, it kind of picked up and spiraled out of control. But um, from, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I, I remember doing it in some capacity. Zach, so far, I mean, your story is awesome. I have to tell you, I, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you told me this story a long time ago, but I, I think it's really um, something that that's really important to share because uh, I think it says a lot about you and, and also a lot about kind of where you went from this point. But um, you had mentioned uh, about being in high school and that you had been put on a path to study over dating. Yeah, yeah. The um, so my senior year of high school, and it, and it wasn't necessarily to study, but. Um, uh, one thing about me, and we touched on this at the beginning of all this, but is uh, I, I, the most important part of my life is, is definitely my faith and, and my relationship with Jesus. But uh, my senior year of high school, as things kind of went on, um, getting in a couple months into the school year that year, um, I just felt it was important that I 
I don't date and, and be distracted with different things. And so I felt like the Lord had big, big things for me that year. Um, and I was doing the toy thing kind of as a background thing, but I was really involved in school. And I was, uh, I was class president and I was involved in a number of different ministries and Bible studies and, and different mission trips and stuff like that I was leading. And, and I just felt like the Lord did not want me to date and, and do different things that would just kind of distract me from what my, my goals were that year. So I kind of told the Lord that for the rest of that year, I wouldn't date anybody. Um, I, I wouldn't distract myself with that. And, and I would focus on the things I felt like he had for me that year um, until the end of the school year. Well, as things would work out, literally the day after I graduated high school. So, so I, I did that. I kept my word um, for the rest of that year. I, I didn't date. I didn't, um, I didn't even so much as go on a date the rest of that year. Um, and then as things would work out, the day after I graduated high school at a graduation party, I look across the room and there's this goddess standing on the other side of this, <laughs> uh, on the other side. It was a backyard um, at a graduation party. And um, just beautiful girl. And I walk up to her, never done this in my life, but I'm like, all right, God, the pact that I made with you ended yesterday. So I'm going to talk to this girl. And, uh, sure enough, she, uh, she was just as, uh, her heart was just as good as her exterior. And, um, we, we started talking and, um, over the next couple of years fell in love and, uh, and now we're married and, um, the, the rest is history. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, and it's a pretty big example in my own life of uh, God's faithfulness to His promises, um, and what happens when you obey God. Um, and then uh, that that lesson kind of weaves itself throughout my toy journey as well, and um, in my career journey, and basically every every journey that the Lord's ever put me on um, has been an example of that. And, and it's hard to tell my story. And my testimony, especially with those toys, um, and, and especially with the uh, kind of wheeling and dealing I've been a part of these few years. It's and not just hard, it's impossible to tell that story without telling the story of my faith and what the Lord's done in my life, because it, they are so impeccably intertwined. That's beautiful. And, and it's, you know, knowing you over the years, I mean, I've, I've always seen that. And um, anytime I've gone through something, uh, you've been, for me, you've been a model uh, as a friend, uh, seeing what you've gone through and how uh, God has blessed you and, and, and how you've overcame certain things, um, and that's helped me in my own life. And so I really appreciate you, and I just I love that fact that you're, the strength of your character is always there, uh, whether it's whether it's in the, the you know the deals that you make, you know when you're when you're buying and selling, the honesty, um, the the care and compassion you have for others, and I think it just. Um, it not only moves mountains, but it also really affects people in beautiful ways. Thank you, Dave. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I really do. So, okay, so you're on to college now. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so that actually, so college is where my toy business really kind of exploded and became a thing. Before it was just a hobby. Now, now it's a thing, right? Um, and again, to kind of how it intertwines with my faith, I um, I did really well on my. Uh, ACT scores, and um, I was valedictorian in my high school class, and so I, I, I was very blessed to have a lot going for me. So most of the state schools um, that I applied to, I was I was going to get to go for free um, if if I chose any of these different state schools across the area, um, in, in some of the private schools. But I, 
I felt like, for whatever reason, the Lord was laying on my heart that he, I, I wanted to go to uh, Cedarville University, which is a Christian school. Um, now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go to a Christian school or whatever. Um, I know most of my really strong Christian friends went to all kinds of state schools, and that's great, and I support that. But for whatever reason, the Lord was just laying on my heart in that moment, and that's where he wanted me to go to school was this little Christian school out in the middle of uh, Ohio. Um, but that little Christian school was like a lot of money, like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year or something like that. Um, and I did get a big scholarship, um, but they did not give full ride scholarships there. Um, they only gave six scholarships um, to, I think it was 75% of tuition, but then that's not including room, board, everything else like that. Um, so by the grace of God, I applied, and I did get one of those six scholarships, which was awesome um, and, and a huge blessing. But that still left a bill of like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year or something like that that I would have to pay out of pocket. Um, and I am a dentist now, so I was planning on going on to dental school. So I was really set on coming out of undergrad with zero debt because I knew I was going to rake up a lot of debt during dental school. Um, so I told God, I said, listen, Lord, I will go to this school if you want me to go to this school, but you have to pay for it um, because I can't do that right now. I, I can't take on all this debt, but if that's what you're calling me to do, I will take that step of faith. I will do it, but you're going to have to come through on your own. So I go off to, I go off to school here, right? Um, and we first couple months, so I remember I took one box of stuff that I bought at garage sales and stuff that summer with me to school, and I would, I would casually kind of list it. Um, well then I started realizing, you know, if I do this a little bit more, I bet maybe I can actually pay off some of the school debt. So I would stay up late and I would study. I was a molecular and cellular biology major. So I would stay up till about 11 o'clock studying, um, all the science stuff for my college degree. Right. Well, then I would spend the next two hours staying up and studying toys. I would just browse through eBay completed listings. I would buy price guides online. I would buy books. I would study websites. I would study databases, all these different action figure things, and I would study as much for toys as I would for molecular biology. Um, toys uh, were a lot more fun to study, by the way, in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, so finally, I, I felt like I had a, a little bit of knowledge. Um, so I started looking stuff on Craigslist, and I, I would find deals that I thought I could make a little bit of money with on Craigslist. Um, I think the first lot I ever bought was uh, an Ewok Village, an AT-AT, um, in a Millennium Falcon, it was like 50 bucks on Craigslist or something. They were missing pieces, but whatever. So I didn't, I didn't even have a car at that point. So I would pay my friends a dollar a mile to drive me um, to go get these things, bring them back, help me load up, all that kind of stuff, bring them back, and then I store them in my dorm room. Um, I actually had to walk to the post office every time I would sell something on eBay because um, I didn't have a car. So I would walk half a mile to the post office with a stack of boxes sky high above my uh, head. And my friends would tell me that they would be in class and they would look out their window during class. And the professors would make jokes about me because there'd be this kid walking across the college campus just carrying Ten boxes stacked high, <laughs> walking a half a mile, and of course, you know I'm dropping them everywhere. It's too many of boxes course. not to do that. Um, so anyway, we're like, I'm starting to make, I'm starting to make this work a little bit. Like I'm actually making a little bit of money doing this. 
um, which it was just kind of nuts. So I start like branching out and buying a little bit bigger collections. But mind you, I don't think I spent more than a hundred or two hundred dollars on any one buy, and I would buy maybe two buys a week. Well, I remember the first large buy I ever bought, a uh, large toy buy, was probably three months into the school year that year. Um, I think I have like twelve hundred dollars in my bank account, and I find this lot on uh, Craigslist, and there was I forget how many, but it was boxed transformers. Really nice condition, complete box transformers. G1? G1 transformers? G1 transformers, yep. And it was in Columbus, and it was $1,000. And I look at my bank account, and I'm like, you know, I've got the money. Um, (laughs) But that's all the money I've got. And I remember I I thought about it for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I was like, let's do it. If I'm not going to risk it now, I'm never going to risk it. And so... I remember we went and got those and paid my, paid my friend to drive me. We brought them back, and I called my parents. And by the time I spent the money to have my friend drive me to get them and everything, I called my parents. And I'm like, well, I just spent every dollar to my name on Transformers. And my dad's like, you're crazy. I don't – he's like, that, what, what have you done? And he's like, that's a terrible idea. And I'm like, no, trust me, guys. I, I, I know. I, I've studied this stuff. I, I think it's a good deal. Um, and I think when I ended up selling those, I got like 1,900 for them or something like that. Wow, so okay. I, I made like 900 bucks on them. And for the first time in a while, that was really good money. Um, so You just doubled your bank account. Yeah, exactly. I doubled what was every dollar to my name. So this kept going. Um, and within the first year, I was able to buy a car. Um, wow. And then that allowed me – that saved me a lot of money because I was no longer paying a dollar a mile. Um, and I put <laughs> so many miles on that car. It was my parents' old car. Um, I bought it off of them for the rest of the money on the, on the lease or, or not the lease, but, uh, the loan. Um, and then we, I really started to go into, go into town with it, um, and, and made it my own. And then with after, after the first couple months, I had outgrown the dorm room and I had the, we lived in these units. Uh, there was like eight dorm rooms per unit and each of these units had like, four big closets that were supposed to be the common spaces. And, um, every single one of those was just full of toys and, uh, to, to appease my dorm mates. So they weren't mad that I was using all their spaces and stuff. I'd bring home fun stuff and let them play with them. You know, like I remember one time I bought a full size pinball machine. Um, oh, I, wow. kept it, I kept it in the dorm lobby for like three months. We blew like six fuses on it. It was from 1970, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> We kept it for like three months, played with it, you know. I bought a life, uh, I bought a life size stormtrooper once. We had a lot of fun with that, and so I bought enough fun stuff that my dorm mates didn't make too much of us think about it. But uh, sure, it was a lot of fun. But um, so so that's that's year one, right? Um, then the summer between year one and year two of college, um, I had built up enough stuff that when I would buy bigger collections, I would take some of the leftovers to my parents' house. And just store it there because it wouldn't all fit in the dorm rooms, even with all mm-hmm. those common closets. So in the summer, I had enough stuff to pretty much just list all day long, every day of summer break. Um, and I did that that first summer. And by the end of the summer, I had made like $10,000 or something like that. And what um, year was this? This was between my first and second year of college. So seven years ago. Okay. Um, and... That almost paid for that first year of college. 
And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. And uh, my dad was always a little hesitant at first about the uh, the toy thing. And after that first summer, I showed him what I was making. And he was like, uh, do, do you need more of the basement? Store your stuff? <laughs> store your stuff? Like, what, what can I do to help? And um, so it got kind of crazy. But uh, that that was fun. But then I really started to know what, what I was doing. Um, so second year of college couple big things happened. Uh, number one, I went to my first toy show. I went to the Columbus toy show um, just to kind of check things out or whatever. And I had made friends with a, uh, with Dylan Greer, um, mm-hmm. who you've probably met in room Absolutely. shows and stuff like that before or whatnot. And he had kind of invited me to the Columbus toy show and to set up with him next to him. And, um, and I, I had made friends with him cause I bought a huge star Wars lot and we were doing some trading and stuff like that at his house. And he lived close to the school I went to. So, but he was nice enough to kind of take me under his wing and whatnot for the first couple toy shows and show me the ropes and everything. And the first toy show I did, I did like $1,500 in one day. And for me, that was just, just, I was flabbergasted, you know, yeah. I was, I was so pumped. Um, and so then I got kind of addicted to these toy shows and started doing these toy shows, which meant I could buy more and then I could sell more and everything else. What kind um, of stuff did you have at your first toy show? There was a lot of. I remember I had a. Um, I had a Fortress Maximus. I had a killer collection of loose Master of the Universe stuff. Um, like I know I have like Sorceress and Blackface Grizzlor, um, and I mean a lot of a lot of the rare loose figures. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything and too crazy. Fortress Maximus, though, if you could describe that a little bit. That, that's the biggest Transformer set. Um, now mine was pretty beat up and missing pieces at the time. I think I had a hundred dollars on it or something like that. Okay. But it's still a major piece. Yeah. For, for a trans, I was happy to have a somewhat major piece, you know? Um, but a couple of things happened. Other things happened my second year that was exciting. Um, so I, I mostly specialize in toys obviously, but, um, I branched out into pop culture stuff as well. So my, Second year of college, I get this call from this lady. Uh, it was probably September, October, pretty early into the semester. Um, and she tells me that she has Star Wars figures for me to come see. She sets up the flea market or whatever else, you know, the typical story. So I go over, and I mean, we're talking, it's like Power of the Force 2 junk, right? Um, there's nothing, nothing good there. And so I'm pretty disappointed because I drove an hour to get to this lady's house. And this is like, a little like beat up ramshackle trailer on like in the back of a holler kind of like, I mean, we're out, we're real out in the middle of nowhere here. Um, and, uh, somewhere near Cincinnati. Um, anyways. So, but I start looking around and there's Elvis everywhere. Like Elvis Presley <laughs> stuff everywhere. And so I look at her, I said, ma'am, I said, your star Wars figures aren't anything great, but why do you have so much Elvis stuff? And she looks back at me and she goes, well, my neighbor was this photographer. And I'm, I'm like, oh what? Gosh. Come again? And she goes, yeah, my neighbor used to follow him around everywhere. He was this photographer. And I said, well, I might be interested in that stuff. <laughs> and um, so she said, well, most of that stuff's inside. And I don't really normally let people in my house. And I said, well, that's okay. I understand. She goes, no, I like it. Come on in. Aww. So I start going in. And she starts pulling these boxes out from her closet. And shoeboxes full of unpublished Elvis Presley photographs oh in gosh. concert backstage. I mean, like, it was nuts. 
So I start buying this stuff, right? Um, and this is, again, I, I busted out every dollar in my bank account, and I, I blew through it and um, bought all this stuff. And I told her, I said, can I come back next week? I will sell enough of this stuff, make enough money to come back next week. And she says, okay. Um, so take it home. I start selling this stuff to magazines and newspapers and, I mean, to museums. Like, this is oh, one wow. of the kind of stuff. Um, I remember I pulled out, uh, I bought a folder from her once, pulled out. There are front row ticket subs to Madison Square Garden. Oh, my gosh. Madison. Yeah. Like, nuts. So I ended up going back to this lady's house every week for, like, three months straight of the entire fall. She would make me dinner. We'd hang out with her family. And, like, I mean, just to paint the picture here, we're in a little trailer. She lives there with her husband's walking around with no shirt on. She lives there with her son and his wife and their children. And so, I mean, it's packed. And there's me just standing there. And she's, and she's making me cookies and dinner and everything else. And I'm going over there on Friday nights. And I'm just buying this stuff. And I'm bringing it home. I'm selling as much as possible. Coming back the next weekend to buy more. Mm-hmm. I was buying uh, banners from the Hilton Hotel from his concerts. I was buying oh the old Polaroids. I was buying ticket stubs. I was buying fan club stuff. I mean, everything you can imagine. So you at probably one point, had one of the largest collections, Elvis collections going. Oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> at one point, she pulls out this bow tie, um, blue bow tie. And I laugh at her. I said, this isn't Elvis Presley's bow tie, is it? And she goes, no, that's Johnny Cash's. And oh I said, what? What? And she said, pull out that paper in there. And sure enough, it's a uh, it's a receipt from a Dayton, Ohio Children's Hospital charity auction, um, with where Johnny Cash donated his bow tie. I ended up selling it to Marty Stewart of the Grand Ole Opry. He had the matching vest. Wow! Um, oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, I mean, super cool. So that <laughs> actually, and, and I tell that story because I made enough money off of that. But that was the first time I, I really had money. Um, that was was buffing up at the bank account um, where I had so much money at the same time then that I could really start buying these bigger collections. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed me to buy some fun Superman buys around the same time. Um, at the same time, I was offered a big chunk of Kirk Allen's collection. Kirk Allen was the first man to play Superman in the uh, 1940s movie serials. Mm-hmm. And so I had the funds to buy that because of this collection. So that was pretty fun. But um, that year also was my first exposure to prototypes. Uh, I know on your podcast you talk a lot about prototypes, but I um, absolutely I got a call uh, about some coins um, that this guy had found, and the story went something to the effect of he owned a recycling place, and someone had dropped off these coins. Um, to recycle them, um, and I didn't know. I didn't know what a prototype was at that time, Dave. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to <laughs> yeah. figure stuff out. Um, and we're we're going, we're going in. I go to look at these coins, and I'm and there's a Vlix coin. Um, there's the Vlix misspelled coin, the villain coin, and then the Villian coin. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I mean, basically, there's like 20 coins of these prototype. And they're all, I forget the... It's what's the droids line. Yeah, it's the droids line, but there's like the different classifications for the coins, the, the unproduced ones, all this stuff. Sure. Um, but anyway, and I made, I made a bunch of money off that. And so I'm just, it's continual blessing after blessing. And by the end of the second year, I had paid off my entire school to that point and almost my entire undergrad of that to come. Um, 
So I'm just standing there like shell-shocked at how tremendously God has, has blessed me at this point, right? Well, and uh, everything that you're saying right now, too, like with, with meeting that woman, she reached out to you and— you know, the idea was that she had Star Wars stuff, and it turned out to be one of the bigger Elvis finds, maybe ever, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah. And then this other guy contacts you about coins, and you know nothing about prototypes, and all of a sudden you have these amazing droids, prototype, and unproduced coins. Oh, yeah, and I mean, it's just, it's crazy the way, the way, the way God blesses. And I mean, I got this one call for, a, uh, for Star Wars figures and I, I went and, I mean, they're junky feet. It's two Vader cases full of beat-up crap with no weapons, nothing. But then there's an original 12 um, store display sign. I don't even know if I told you this story, but there's a store display no. sign for the original 12. I think it's one of the rarest store displays to ever be discovered. But Is it um, the Toy Galaxy one? No. No, it's not the Toy Galaxy one. It's the it's the original 12 figures, black background, um, and I forget, I think it just says like Star Wars Kinder Collection or something on the top. I, mm-hmm. I forget what it even said on the top. Anyway, water damage crease right down the middle. Again, this is the first time I'm ever dealing with store displays at this point. So I tell the guy, I said, look, man, I, I'll give you $100 for the Star Wars figures. There's nothing good there. And I said, I'll take a chance on this. I, I imagine this door sign's worth a lot of money, but it, it's water damage. It's got a big crease down the middle, all this stuff. I was like, I'll give you $300 for that. And if it sells for more or a lot more, I'll come back and give you money. Because and you actually like, didn't, you had no idea what this thing would actually sell for. No, no, not a clue. Someone mm. offered me 500 for it and I almost took it. I almost took it. Um, but I decided to put it on eBay the next week. That thing sold for four thousand dollars. Oh and this my was, gosh! <laughs> this is seven years ago. Um, wow! And so I ended up. I called the guy back and I went back and gave him half. Um, which, because again, it, it just it, these incredible blessings. And I look back, especially at that time, the first couple of years of me doing this toy thing, I didn't have a hot clue what I was doing. I was learning as as I went, you know. Oh yeah. Um, now nowadays, I would know what that stuff is worth. Um, but back then, I just was. I was, I knew as much as I, as I could know and, and trying to learn more every day, but I was just making it work. And I look at the string of calls I got and the quality of, of those leads I got, and there's no other way to explain it, but God, especially for someone who does not, who didn't know what they were doing. Um, I mean, I bet you I was getting during those early college years, five to 10 calls a week. Buying oh, wow. these big, buying these big collections. And um, how did you advertise? I advertised everywhere you could think. I went and um, I did Craigslist and Facebook and all these other things. And I would go hang flyers at the antique malls and stores. And I printed out my own business card. I hired my graphic design major friend to make make these signs for me and everything else. And I'd hang them out in the community. And I'd have my uh, parents and grandparents talking to all their friends at work and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but just a little bit of everywhere. Uh, and it seemed like everything kind of worked there. There wasn't one that was really standing out over the others. Um, and then I was still going to auctions and flea markets and everything else. Mm -hmm. But the, um, so now into year three of college, probably the biggest lesson that was unmistakably a God thing, um, and, I, and it's funny because throughout this whole time, I would get all these questions. People would be like, uh, 
and even talking to to friends and everything else, people would be like, how on earth do you keep getting so lucky? <laughs> and I'm like, it's not, or someone once told me, everything you touch turns to gold. And I said, it's not luck, pal. It's, it's God. It's, I mean, Jesus promised if I did this, he would give this. And we are looking back and it is so unmistakably clear. Um, and even now, as I look back on it now, it, it's just crazy how, how wonderfully the Lord works. Um, but a story to illustrate that, my greatest find of all time. Um, so I, between second and third year of college, um, I, that year I made, I made a lot of money again. I think I made like another $10,000 or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe pretty firmly that, that all of this is money that, that God has given me uh, and blessed in my life. And it, it's not my money. It's, it's the Lord's money that he's given me to use, right? Um, and I believe pretty firmly um, that I give back 10% of whatever the Lord blesses me with. Uh, I try to give back a minimum of, of 10% to him, whether that's donating to the local church or ministries or um, charities or whatever else. But um, I, I feel confidently that if God is, is willing to give me this these kind of things, that I need to be willing to give that uh, back to him and to other people. Um, and so anyway— we get to the end of the summer, and I calculated out everything I made that summer, and it was another ten thousand or something like that. Um, so I, I owed God, if you will, a thousand bucks. But I had also at the end of that summer, I paid my school bill that year, um, and I think I only have like a thousand bucks left or something like mm-hmm. that after I paid off all my bills. Which huge answer to prayer that I have now paid off my entire school tuition for undergrad. Um, but, you know, a guy's also got some Superman stuff to buy. Like, sure. I wanted the extra money. Um, so I kind of put it off. I was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So put it off September. Didn't pay anything October. And eventually the Lord's really putting it on my heart. Like, look, Zach, this isn't your money. This is, I gave this to you. Now give it back. And, um, and to clarify, though, too, when, when you're talking about tithing, you're not talking about giving to a specifically to a, a church, you're really talking about giving back to God and then he will do with that money, what, whatever, you exactly. know, he, exactly. he chooses to do with it, of course. Exactly. Um, Most of the time I, I, I give my tithe money to the, to my church, my local church, but I've also mm-hmm. donated to uh, different missions that have meant something to me or charities and stuff like that. But in, in whatever way that the Lord will, will use it and, and glorify himself and bring people to him with it, um, and at its core, what you're what you're doing, because a lot of people, you know, there are a lot of discussions about tithing. A lot of people don't understand it. But at its core, what you're doing is you're just saying, you have blessed me, and so I'm giving back to you, and I'm giving back to you, you know, a, a percentage, because I I know that this is all of yours. Exactly. Uh, and yes. and when when we do that too, I mean, you know, you've seen it through your life. I've seen it as well. Um, the the blessings just abound from it, you know. And it's because we're 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 giving up what um, what we would normally keep, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so anyway, the uh, yeah, I, I don't even I don't remember the exact total I made that that summer, but um, anyway, I, I had this amount between that. And then I think there was even money in like the spring and stuff that I basically I had come up with this number of, of what I owed or what I, what I wanted to give back to God. And, and I just didn't. I was I was holding on to it, whatever. Well, the Lord starts leaning on my heart like, 
like Zach, this is like you need to give this money. You you don't need this. There are people who need this more than you. Um, and so to the point where it was like keeping me up at night. So finally, um, there's there's one cloudy day in October that I write this check and I send it off um, to be used uh, for for God's kingdom and, and not for myself. Well, that same day, there's an auction going on. The auction's in Cincinnati. I think everyone listening can probably see where the story's going. Um, and it was an auction that I really wanted to go to, but I couldn't go to it because it was my cousin's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had gone the day before and just kind of browsed some stuff there. Um, and they had, I mean, they had some Power Ranger stuff, like A-Team, Rambo. But they had, uh, they had two Vader cases um, full of Star Wars figures, right? Um, there wasn't much good in them. I, there was no weapons. I mean, they were pretty much a run-of-the-mill whatever. Um, so I placed my bids, and the auction happens the next day, which is the same day that I send this check off in the mail, and then I go to my cousin's wedding. I'm at my cousin's wedding. I get the phone call. Hey, Mr. Curtis, you won, you won this, 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 this. So I got to pick it up. Um, I win both Vader cases, full Star Wars figures, and I think I won the figures for like a dollar a piece. Like it was, <laughs> it was a good price, even if they were just junky, beat up figures, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't anything like I, there wasn't a blue snacks in there. There wasn't a yak face, whatever. So I literally throw all this stuff in the corner of my dorm room because I had an uh, an anatomy exam that week. Um, so it's sitting in the corner of my dorm room for like two weeks, right? And I don't, I don't know what's in there. So finally, <laughs> two weeks later, I'm like, "Hey, I bought all this stuff. I better see what's here." So I start looking through it, and I'm, I pull out this Darth Vader, um, and I'm like, "Huh, this looks kind of weird." And then I'm like, "Huh, his uh, his lightsaber shouldn't come out that far." <laughs> Why is it coming out twice? And so my heart starts pounding a little bit. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason in my mind, I remember thinking, man, if this is a DT Vader, I think those things are worth like 400 bucks. Like When you say DT Vader. Double telescoping. About, yes. Yeah, so, so double so. telescoping. I mean, the lightsaber comes out twice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has that double telescoping mechanism, which was obviously done in the early run of the Star Wars figures. Um but really never made it to mass production. Um, no, and there's but, only a handful out there. Yes. Well, and the devil telescoping Luke is much more common, um, and a lot more of those made it out there. So in my head, I'm thinking that it was worth about what a devil telescoping Luke was worth, which at that time was about four or $500. So my heart's beating real fast because that's what I think it is, and that's what I think it's worth. <laughs> um, well, I had a couple Star Wars friends at the time, so I called one of them up, and uh, I said, hey, I think I've got a double telescoping Darth Vader. Would you mind taking a look at it with me? And he's like, send me a picture. So I sent him a picture, and he called me back. And he says, Zach, you need to meet me right now. <laughs> and I said, no, I've got an anatomy exam. I can't, I can't do that. And he goes, no, you need to meet me right now. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So anyway, 10 minutes later, he goes by. I'm, I'm looking at these figures a little more. And I sent him another picture, and I said, hey, why does this Chewbacca look red? <laughs> and he calls me again, and he goes, I don't care what kind of test you have. <laughs> you need to meet me right now. And so um, I, take these, I take these figures over to him, and he's like, 
he's like, hey, with your permission, I'd like to run these down to some friends in Cincinnati. I need to confirm some things. Um, so I, I have no idea what's going on, right? Uh, well, it turns out that uh, there were four first shots of the first 12 in those, uh, in those cases. And to, to even go higher than that, um, that Darth Vader was a mushroom tip double telescoping Darth Vader um, meaning that the end of the tip of that lightsaber flared out like a mushroom as a mechanism to prevent it from sliding all the way in. Um, I think it's the third one known to exist. Um, so I ended up selling that particular piece uh, to my friend for an undisclosed amount. Um, <laughs> but all I can say is that it was exactly 10 times the amount of that tithe check that was added from the prior year before that I was holding back and refusing to give back to God. And it was so clearly that I almost broke down in tears at that point that it was so clearly God saying, look what I had for you. Look what I was holding on so that you could get (laughs) these things and you didn't want to give this up to me. So I could not give this to you until you finally surrendered it to me and told me that you trusted me with these things. I have this tremendous blessing for you and I was ready to give it to you, but you just wouldn't trust me enough. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm not going to do that again. Um, wow. And then there was Leia and R2-D2 and Chewbacca. Um, first shots. And, yeah. First shot. <laughs> um, and so it ended up that, uh, that paid for, that paid for the rest of my schooling. That, so my undergrad was then paid off at that point. Um, it paid for all the Superman stuff I could want, uh, and it paid for my wedding. Um, oh my so gosh, Zach! Just, just tremendous. Um, yeah, so, so huge blessing. So, I'm sorry, Dave. This podcast is going to be six hours long. I'll try to speed up here. No, um, I love it. I, this is this is so special, so important. Keep going. Yeah. So uh, we we get through undergrad. Things are going great. Um, I bought at one point. I bought two thousand pounds of Lego. Um, oh I bought, uh, at one point I found, um, I bought hard copies of the Bill and Ted line, including the unproduced Napoleon. Cool. I had the unproduced Megaforce playset by Kenner. Um, I, I mean, just all kinds of crazy things I found. I can't tell you how many blue snags I've come across or <laughs> yak faces yeah. or, I mean, just tremendous amount of, I, I've had boxed IG-88 12 inches and Boba Fett's and creature cantinas and I mean, every every rare production piece you could imagine, I've had at some point. Mm-hmm. So anyway, get to the end of college. Um, I sell off my inventory to a friend of mine um, because I needed to move to Columbus, right? Because I'm How big now was I'm going this to inventory. Uh, it was pretty big. It I think I it was about fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff. I sold it to my buddy for twenty thousand. Because he was going to take all of it, it was cash, and I could move to, I could move. Because right, my, my parents said, hey, we don't want this in the basement anymore. Or you're, and I'm like, I get it, you know. Yeah, oh, sure, um, yeah. So, and I'm going to Ohio State for dental school now. Um, so, tremendous blessing. Cars paid off. School's paid off. Um, I'm, my co- personal collection of Superman stuff is just insane. And I've actually got a pretty decent chunk now to pay for, for dental school. Um now, dental school was over a hundred grand a year, so I'm not, I didn't pay all of dental school off. But so we get to dental school, um, and, I, and I'm starting over at zero, right? So I, I am at dental school now. I have no toys. 
terrible thing, right? Um, except my Superman collection. That was back at my parents' house. Yeah, that sounds like this, the worst. Yeah, I know, right? I move into this tiny apartment next to the dental school. Um, it is like two rooms, um, real small, but real high ceilings, which will, which will come in handy. So throughout that first year, I start buying toys again um, at dental school. And I filled it up that it was, I mean, we're literally talking an episode of Hoarders Buried Alive. And I'm not <laughs> kidding you, Dave. You open the door. You had to turn to your side to oh walk gosh. through these aisles. Uh, and it was just straight toys. Um, my wife and family couldn't even really come visit me at that point because it was so full of toys. But that's how I, how I survived. How I paid for school. Um, so second year, um, we move to – or second year, I get married. Deanna and I get married at that point, and we go to uh, – we move outside the city a little bit. Um, reason being is this apartment complex we find is a little bit cheaper. It's a little bit out of the hustle and bustle, but most importantly, it has garages for rent. Um, there are 10-foot by 20-foot garages uh, that you can rent as many as you want, and they're right outside your apartment units. So big deal for me because I know I'm going to keep accumulating this stuff. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. have it in our apartment. I'm married now. I have someone else that I'm with. Of course. Um, so, and, and this goes back to just the timing, the God's amazing timing here, right? Um, because he gave me just enough stuff. That first year, I didn't really find anything crazy, but I didn't have room to find anything crazy. Um, so now we're in a place that I have seemingly unlimited storage capability um, to really kick this back up again. Uh, and mind you, my t- I had less time because I'm in dental school. It, it's quite a bit harder than undergrad. I'm having to study, become a doctor, all that kind of fun stuff. But I'm still doing toys because it's paying the bills. Um, and it's keeping those loans down um, so that we can graduate dental school with as, as least debt as possible. Sure. Well, the week I'm getting married. <laughs> so this is the week we get the keys to the apartment. <laughs> Um, and the week I'm getting married, I get this phone call. Uh, hello, Mr. Curtis. Um, I, uh, I found one of your ads somewhere. Uh, I think I probably have the largest, uh, toy collection you've ever been offered. And I get that phone call a lot, Dave. Right. And most of the time it fills up my car if I'm lucky. Sure. Right? People have a tendency to exaggerate. It's whatever. And so I'm like, okay, well, I had a toy show in the area. Um, so I said, I'd stop by after the toy show. Uh, there wasn't any room in my car, but I figured I'd just stop by and see what it was. Um, so get there, and there, there's an entire garage full. Um, like I'm like, this thing's going to fill a U-Haul. This might be the largest toy collection I ever buy. So I arrange everything, go back. I, I purchase the lot, um, and we finished loading it up into this 15-foot U-Haul. And he said, okay, when are you coming back for the rest? And I said, what do you mean the rest? And he goes, the whole house is full. This is the garage. (laughs) And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, do you want to see the rest of it now? And so I start going inside, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, unbelievable. And again, just just keep in mind, frame of reference here, this is the week of my wedding. Um, So I've got stuff going on. It's not like I'm not busy. (laughs) So (laughs) we're talking like – 2,000 board games, at least. Um, tons of board games. Like Hero Quest, which is a $150 board game. He had 200 copies of it. Oh, um, wow. We're talking, I would just open, I would open up a box and it would be all straight Star Wars. I'd open up a box and it'd be all straight He-Man. I'd open up a box, all Voltron, another box, this, that, the other. 
sealed play sets, open play sets. There was 200 box Ataris. Um, there was, uh, there was like those old, like 1980s handheld video games. Yes. There was like uh, 2000 of those, um, just oh in boxes. Gosh. I mean, crazy. You'd open up one box and it would be all Viewmaster stuff. Another box would be all the old Kinner um, grid and panel sets. I mean, just unbelievable find here. Um, so I paid, again, almost everything to my name, which was kind of scary because now we're talking about a big sums of money here. Um, but I ended up making, by the time it was all said and done on that, and mind you, I still have a lot from that collection. And it took me three years of work, but I netted almost $75,000 out of that. <laughs> um, and it just unbelievable, um, God's, God's, uh, provisions. And, and so we're in the dental school now. Um, now I've got that nice little base collection to start selling out of again. So now the, the business, the toy business is in full swing. I'm doing toy shows, um, full swing again. I have pulled back the schedule a little bit to allow a little bit more time for, um, studying and stuff like that. I, I'm not doing quite as many out of town shows, um, but throughout dental school, the Lord starts teaching me this, this big lesson, um, right? So it's, it's this big overarching four-year lesson of stress, anxiety, and worry. Um, because before dental school, everything had come easy to me in life. Um, I floated through high school without studying. Um, undergrad, I think my GPA was like a 3.98 or something. I didn't really study. I spent all my time doing toys, so I didn't have really time to study. I mean, things just came easy for me, right? I got into dental school without any problem. Um, it just, it, it was easy. It wasn't a problem. Now we're in dental school and stuff is hard, like really hard. 90% of my class are valedictorians of their high school classes. Um, it's really easy to feel like you're not good enough. Like these are some of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and I am studying my butt off to get like B's and B's and C's. And like that hurts because I'd never gotten anything below any minus before I got to dental school. And now I'm getting a C on something and I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome. You know, like it's, it's a big adjustment. Sure. Um, and the way dental school is set up is you, you, you have all these tests and practicals and stuff like that. And then all of your preps and everything are graded in tenths of millimeters. Um, and when you're talking that specific, like, man, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. And I would come home from these practicals and everything else. And I'd just be stressed to the nines and I'd have these, like borderline emotional breakdowns where I'm like, God, I can't do this. But all the while the Lord is saying, Zach, shut up. I'm going to take care of you. Look at, <laughs> look at your life. Every step of the way I've taken care of you. And I, I, I always have, and I always will. And that is what I have promised you. Um, but of course me and my thick skulls is not quite getting all of that. No, it um, takes a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. It takes a little while. Um, so anyway, Fast forward to uh, now we're now we're the beginning of this past year, um, and we're, we're really uh, this these past six months I think are the final exam of everything the Lord has been teaching me these past six years. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole lesson of stress and anxiety and worry um, and, and all this stuff—it's like, man, you thought graduating dental school was going to be hard. How about right in the midst of it and finding a job and moving to a new location and figuring out your toy business and all this other stuff? 
how about we throw a global pandemic into the mix, right? Um, so right before this pandemic happens, I take my dental boards, and this is to be licensed to become a, to become a full-fledged dentist. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, man, I'm just freaking out. Um, to give you some backstory, it costs like three thousand dollars to take to take this board exam. Yeah. Um, and if you fail, uh, not only do you have to pay the three thousand dollars again to retake it, uh, you have to reschedule. Normally, months out, that puts everything behind. Um, you graduate late. Uh, you can't start your job late. All I mean, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're grading this with a fine tooth comb. If your patient who you're doing the exam on doesn't show up, you fail. If they show up late, you fail. I, I mean, all this, all these different ways you can fail where it's not even your fault. And so, I'm sitting there the day before boards, uh, my board exam, just like shaking, right? Just like shaking, and and I, I, I uh, I'm just so nervous. And and it's weird because I've I've done the, these procedures a hundred times, but something about doing it with this graded. Um, and so finally I just sit down and I'm like, God, look, you've taught me so much these last 10 years through school and work and toys and everything else. Teach me something, tell me something. Um, so I open up to the book of second Chronicles and I don't know who's listening to this and, and if you read the Bible or not, but second Chronicles is a pretty weird book. Like when, <laughs> when you're not, if you're going to quote the Bible, you're going to open up to like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. open up to second Chronicles. But for some reason that day, I open up to Second Chronicles. And mind you, this is the day before I take this board exam. Um, and, and I'm reading it, and this is what I read here. Uh, this is Second Chronicles 20, 15. They, they're talking about uh, the Israelites are about to go into to battle here into this army. And it says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, and again, it actually says the word tomorrow in there, which is crazy because we're the day before my board exam. <laughs> and it says, tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your position and stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give to you, O Judah. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And then you go on to read this passage, and I'm man, I'm I'm sorry, I'm getting chills even as I read that to you right now, because um, this isn't a lesson that the Lord has done teaching me in life, because He's teaching me right now. Um, but um, and then you read the rest, and, and they go, and the Lord orchestrates it so that these opposing armies basically kill each other off. They show up there; there's not even a battle to be fought, and all of this wow. plunder is just sitting there for them to go and take. <laughs> And I start just breaking down crying, right, like a little baby. I'm on the ground, on my knees, face on the floor, crying, saying, God, you have shown me through all of this how faithful and how wonderful and how perfect and how, how much providing you are, how much you love me, and how, how stupid, how naive am I to, to, for a minute, forget how well you provided through me, through toys and through all this other stuff, um, and yet, yet here we are, and you're reminding me again that these are your battles to fight. I just have to show up. All we have to do is show up. Yeah. And so I, I go in. The boards go great. I pass my board exam. And then uh, and we're like, man, it's smooth sailing from here on out. So my wife <laughs> and I buy this house. Um, and it's a gorgeous house. It's the house of our dreams. And we buy this house based on the income we're going to be making at my new job. Mm-hmm. And I'm a dentist, so um, oh, what's I, the what's have, the best part of the house for you? Oh, I've got this. I've got this <laughs> enormous 1,500 square foot finished basement that is the Superman cave, 
and I'm Absolutely. working on it right now. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, so I, yeah, I can't wait oh, when it's done. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we, we get this house, right? And, um, the mortgage payment on this house is, uh, and I'm, and I'm only saying these numbers because I want everyone listening to realize that like, this isn't a small thing that the Lord is doing. Like this is pretty awesome. So mortgage payment on this house is going to be $2,600 a month. Right. And we had to buy it. Like we had to get in early because the housing market's hot and all this stuff. So we bought it and mortgage payments were going to start. I think the, the month I was going to start working. When did you buy it? What was the, the think March or it was, we, well, we put the offer in, in February and then we actually closed the day before the shutdown. Um, so this was March, 2020. This yes, this is March, 2020 of this year. Um, so we buy this house and, then the state of Ohio shuts down. <laughs> and uh, so not only – so now I've got a $2,600 a month mortgage payment coming up. I've got uh, – I'm still paying my apartment rent because we're still kind of living through there because my wife's got to work in Columbus so we can keep our insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, I've got like a $1,200 a month apartment rent, a $2,600 a month mortgage, um, bills, all that kind of stuff, food to eat, all that kind of stuff. And I've got no job. Well, the job I have is uh, dental offices were shut down. Everything was shut down. And to top it all off, even if everything opened back up, I'm not graduated from school yet because – and I don't have my license yet because I have to graduate from school to get my license. um, And And you're two months out of graduating. Yeah. And I'm two months – and I I have all but one of my requirements done of like the different things you had to pass to pass dental school. They're all done. But they just – they won't let us go, and there's really no game plan on how to get us in to finish that last requirement. Um, so I'm at the point of breaking down again, and I'm like, God, what is going on here? Like I, I made it through this, this, this time. I've been in school for eight years. I'm ready to graduate. Like I, I passed these boards. Like why did you tell me that you would provide this deliverance? Why did you tell me not to be afraid, not to be discouraged if you were going to shut everything down? How the heck am I going to pay these bills? Um, and we had, a, we had enough in savings to pay them for a couple months and everything. But most everything I made, I was throwing towards um, my student loans because, like I said, dental school, by the time the cost of expenses and everything like that, cost of attendance is like hundred grand a year. Um, so most extra money that I have, I'm throwing towards student loans. So it's not like we have this huge backlog of money because I had already paid off these loans with it. Um, and so the Lord speaks to my heart and he says, Zach, I, I'm going to take care of you. How many times do I have to tell you this? <laughs> and I go back to that verse and um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, well, I, I've got the toys. I've got the toys. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, everybody shut down. Like people are going to be hesitant. The toy sales are going to suck, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. going to sell a single toy the month of March, the month of April. Um, and the exact opposite happens. Uh, toy sales just start going insane. I mean, they my between my eBay store and my Facebook sales and everything else. Well, and here's the other thing that happened. The Columbus Toy Show was canceled, which is a big thing of income for me. And that's um, in March. That's in March. That was canceled. I had a uh, I had a ten thousand dollars sale lined up on some other stuff to a buyer that backed out with all this, and I was supposed to have big auctions to 
auction off my leftover inventory in Columbus so we can move here back to the Dayton area. Um, and that was, I was expecting that to net me a significant amount of money. All those were canceled. So you're talking probably forty or $50,000 of income just canceled that we were also expecting on top of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to who knows when I can start my job kind of situation. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but we're going back to that verse. The Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged because tomorrow you will go down against them. You will stand firm and he will take that fight on. Um, and my sales just, I'm, I'm telling you, Dave, I don't, there's no other way to explain it than the Lord took over that month, the month of March, I did $30,000 in sales <laughs> in one month. I've That's never seen that awesome. before in my life between eBay and Facebook and private sales and whatever else and a wholesale and other deals. And I'm just sitting here and we're talking like a month now and we've almost paid off a year of the mortgage. And I sit there and I just start crying again because in the past four years, what the Lord has done in my life through toys has been so unmistakably him that there's no denying it. And I know, I know that there are all these wonderful toy stories out there that have nothing to do with God. And I, and I know that there are people who, and I know there's several people who don't believe in God don't and whatever, and they found great things and that's awesome. And and I'm sure that random chance and luck has a lot to do with it, but I'm telling you right now that my story 100% is rooted without question in the tremendous blessings and complete um, provisions of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has taken care of me and my wife so, so intentionally that I cannot look back. And, and I've I've shared with you guys just now for an hour, hour and a half, whatever. But I, I could go on for days, days, and just talk about how, I mean, every time I would get these massive collections that would take up like, and that would take several truckloads. It, I, without fail, every year at college, within the last week of the semester, I would get a call on some enormous buy that I would never be able to purchase and do while I was in school. But since it was going to be for summer break, it was like perfectly lined up um, where I would have the time to sell it in the room, just keep it at my parents' house and not have to worry about the dorm room and all that. Everything has been so perfectly timed that it's just, I mean, it, it really, there's no other way to explain it. And I have so many people that ask me, how do you get so lucky? How do you, like, how does this happen? How does this happen? Why do you all these, like, and I'm telling you right now, it's because I've got somebody else running things, and he's a lot more powerful than I am. <laughs> yeah. um, because I just started this as – when I started selling toys, I had never even seen Star Wars. And I, I'm telling you what, I probably sold 100 of each action figure before I even watched the movies. But yet I learned what each of these toys were worth and the history of them and all this kind of stuff. And, and with a lot of toy lines, really, because um, I was born in 93. I'm 27 years old. I, uh, I, I wasn't alive during this stuff, but I learned through the toys and gained this appreciation of this 80s pop culture and 70s pop culture and everything else. Um, and, and I love history. And so the Lord used my hobbies and passions and took something that I really had no knowledge about. And allowed me to use my love to invest in this community and learn this stuff 
Um, and just, and it's, it's been such a blessing. And I've met a tremendous amount of friends and, and good people and, and people I'd consider like brothers and family and everything else through this hobby as well. Um, but overall what this hobby has meant to me is the way that the Lord has provided and taken care of me through it. And I'm sorry if that sounds corny or cheesy or, or whatever else, but, but I, I tell you what, um, and, and I just want to say too, I know we're living in some weird times right now to, I don't know who will listen to this. Um, but I know that we're, we're living in crazy times that the virus is, people are scared to go outside and maybe that you, you lost your income and you're financially unstable. Maybe you've got mortgage payments to pay without a reason, without a way to pay it. And I just want to remind you that this, what the Lord has done for me. And the, the, again, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army. And guys, there's a vast army out there right now. Um, there, it's hard to even turn on the news because it's just depressing because of how bad things are, whether it's, uh, I mean, it's literally comical how bad this year is. You look outside and the whole freaking world's falling apart. But again, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this. For the battle is not ours, but it's God's. And tomorrow we will march down against them and we will not have to fight it. But we just have to take up our positions and stand firm. And the Lord will provide deliverance. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them and the Lord will be with us. And man, even as I read that now, I, I have my wife get it put on this big sign that hangs out in our house. And I read it and I almost cry just reading it because I, I think back to these last eight years of this this crazy toy journey that I've had and how the Lord has used plastic action figures and wind-up cars and <laughs> pieces of cardboard and pieces of cardboard. And I'm like, my gosh, my life has been, my life has been de- defined by these odd little toys that the Lord has used to teach me something. Um, so I hope that's an encouragement to somebody out there today because there's always hope in the midst of, all the distress. There's always hope. And Zach, I know we, we talked about this um, in, in the weeks leading up to this conversation, but the the reason why I'd asked you to, to come on and to do an episode like this um, was, was really because I, I've just been seeing it day after day where the people around us, the people in our collecting community, the ones that we see and know from toy shows and meetups and conventions – Everyone is going through stuff, and it, it's my heart's been broken for the last uh, few months. Um, you know, and it, it just it just seems to to you know get tougher and tougher for people. Um, you know, even just the, the mental challenge of getting through the days and, and staying upbeat and staying positive and and um, you know helping those around you, right? And you're one of the you're just one of the most special people that I know, and your story as I said earlier in the conversation, has been such an inspiration for me. You know, even, even in, it's, it's changed even my relationship with God and, and my faith. And um, so this wasn't, you know, just for anyone listening, uh, whether you believe or don't believe, this wasn't uh, for, for us to, to preach to you or at you or anything like that. It's really, and I mean this in the most innocent way as, as possible, but just 
for me, I know it's hope, you know, and, and for the conversations that, that Zach and I have shared over the years and our, our friendship, there, there's been that, that hope, right. And that, that inspiration. And, and, um, I know I've gotten through some, some, you know, kind of rougher times because of, of my faith. And, um, I just hope that this, as, as Zach, as you said before, that, that this touches at least somebody, you know, and, and if you're going through a tough time, just know that, we're going to get past this. This is not, you know, this is not uh, that 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 tunnel. There is light at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And toys are a fun way of getting through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, if toys can be this, you know, amazing blessing, um, you know, it, it, I met you because of a blue snaggletooth, and I look at the adventures that we've had, you know, since then, and and the the life journeys that we've we've shared together, and. Um, you know, it's just it, it. Collecting and our hobby just makes life fun. It's exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm a, like I, like I was telling you, I made some of my dearest friends um, through this hobby, and it's just it's been awesome. And the, the people that make up the hobby are, are really awesome too. And um, that's my favorite part about doing these toy shows. And when I started doing all them, is the people I've got to meet. Um, and it's amazing how many good people are out there. Um, in the hobby, um, and, and on my side of things, the Superman collecting world, but I've had the privilege because I've been so involved in the, the dealing world that I've got to meet so many people from the star Wars world too. And then the GI Joe community and the He-Man community and mm. just all the different toy lines and, and these toy shows. And so it's been a lot of fun to, to get to know people for sure. Awesome. Well, here's hoping that, Cincinnati Toy Show uh, happens in October, and uh, I'll make my trek from New Jersey to, <laughs> to, and we to Cincinnati. Totally, see the new house and and the collection, and and uh, that we just get to spend some some wonderful time together. So I would love that, Zach. Thanks for taking the time to uh, you know to to talk with me today, and uh, and for sharing your story too. It's it's such a powerful, beautiful one, and uh, I know that really this is just the beginning of it. You know, there there are many more decades to come for you. Of course. Thank you so much, Dave. I, I appreciate you having me on. I really do. Cause I, I don't think I was just thinking, I don't think I've had the chance to really share my toy story from start to finish like that in a format before. So hopefully, hopefully a couple of my friends, I, when I share this on Facebook, you click that link and you're watching it or whatever. And, and hopefully I make some new friends because of it. Sure. And, and if, uh, if people want to reach out to you, um, your people have, if they have toy collections that they that they're looking to sell, or if they're looking for a particular item because you you carry everything, um, or if they just want to you know get to know you better, uh, what's what's the best way to reach out to you? The easiest way to find me is on Facebook, that vintage toy guy. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I don't use it that much. Um, my name is Zach Curtis, uh, also on Facebook, but there's probably a lot more of those out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the easiest way to find is that vintage toy guy. And then just let right. me know that, uh, that you listen here. So then, uh, but like Dave says, I have, I have such a large inventory, even still full of stuff. Um, and always getting more, always buying more. Um, and I'm always looking for Superman stuff. So if you got anything <laughs> sure. rare Superman wise, let me know for sure. What's a what's a recent pickup that you've had lately for your for your own collection? Who Superman wise? Um, so December, that's the last thing. I've, that's probably the most significant item I've gotten. Um, so last December, I picked up. Do uh, you remember the Supergirl movie from the eighties yes. with Helen Slater? Mm-hmm. I picked up the original screen used Hero Omega Hedron prop, 
which is the power source of uh, Krypton's Argo City. And so the whole plot line of the movie is this Omega Hedron gets hurled to Earth and Supergirl has to go to Earth to retrieve it and all this stuff. And so I own that prop, which is really, really cool. I bought it. That's incredible. This this December, this past December. So it's pretty fun. I just got done making uh, a little display for it downstairs and everything like that. Um, But right now it seems like the movie props and costumes and stuff like that are what get my juices going the most. Um, I just love the history behind them. And then I also really love the uh, like the 1940s toys and, and uh, memorabilia and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I love that World War II era and how Superman was used as uh, a proper um, propaganda tool almost. Yeah. Well, and a symbol and a symbol of hope as well. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, what's uh, what's your favorite piece in your collection currently? I know it can change, but. Probably, I have a complete um, 1988 Superboy suit. There was mm-hmm. a TV show called The Adventures of Superboy that ran from 88 to, uh, I think, 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a complete season one costume. Um, so it, wow. it's pretty special because it was done by the same producers who did Superman the movie and all the Christopher Reeve movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the costume is it's very close and looks and material and and everything else there. Um, so it's probably the closest I'm going to get to a Christopher Reeve suit for a while. Um, so I love it. And again, just the history on that. Um, and then I also have, um, these gorgeous, uh, three different world war two posters that were used to try to, um, ramp up war bond, uh, purchases and like salvage and stuff like that. Um, that are just awesome. And each one of them is one of maybe five that exists in the world still. Um, so it's really cool to have all three of them together because I, I doubt there's many people that can say that. So it's, it's pretty neat. So cool. Oh, that's good. Well, I, I hope, um, the rest of this year, uh, nets you some, some more amazing finds and, uh, it's always interesting and fun because we, we never know what to expect, but, uh, we can now, we really, you know, we're able to expect big things and, um, and I, I know that the blessings won't stop for you. So Zach, I love you so much and I'm so glad we got a chance to talk. And, uh, you know, again, if anyone wants to reach out, it's that vintage toy guy on, on Facebook, um, you're one of the nicest and easiest people to, to talk to. So, I mean, if anyone just wants to even reach out just to say hi, uh, I would, I would do so. Um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, for, for taking the time to, to chat today. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. And thank you everybody for listening. <laughs>